What is up, my brothers and sisters, my agents of respect? It's your boy, Trey Johnson, back with another episode of the No Disrespect But Podcast. Um, I actually have a, a doozy for you guys today. We're going to be doing some mock drafts. I'm calling it Mock Draft Thursday. We're going to be doing. But before I get to that, um, you know, I do go, you know, I refer to myself as a self-proclaimed sports guru. And as I've said many a times, you don't become a guru by always being right. You're going to be wrong sometimes. But what makes the guru uh, or the, the best guru is the guru that's willing to say when he or she is wrong and they got it wrong. And when I tell y'all my predictions for the final four for the men's and women's, was wrong. Oh my God, I missed. I missed completely. I mean, let's just start with the women's side of things. Y'all know I'm a UConn fan. Y'all knew I was gonna go with my heart. You know, I was gonna go with, with you know, with, with Paige Beckers, Aaliyah Edwards, Goat Ariema. That's just who I was gonna go with. You know, I love Coach Dawn Staley and what she's built at the University of South Carolina. Uh, I know she got some dogs, Aaliyah Boston being one of them, but I just, you know, I had to go with my heart on it. But boy. Boy, did they beat us like a puppy dog and kick us, kick our behinds. I mean, there were moments where UConn got the game close, but but South Carolina controlled it from beginning to end, and they did not let up. So first of all, I just want to give a shout-out to the Lady Gamecocks. I think that's how you say it. Uh, the University of South Carolina and Coach Dawn Staley, a Hall of Famer in her own right, one of the greatest coaches to ever grace our game. And that's on men's or women's side. I'm just being real with you. So like I said, she's built a hell of a program and they showed that they're here. Like she's been, she's been doing some work. She didn't let 2017 get to her head. She worked and it showed. And man, it showed against one of the best too. Um, but but the game cost, they did show that they were the best team. Now let's go to the men's side. So women's side, that was a national championship. Men's side, Y'all know I was going with Duke all the way. Man, we couldn't even make it to the championship game. You know, we we lost to North Carolina again. Happened to be Coach K's last game, so they got a signature win, not only against Duke, but against Coach K. And what sucks is that we got we to gotta wear that for all time. They beat Coach K in his last game, last home game in Cameron Indoor, and they beat Coach K in his last game ever in probably the, the the greatest basketball rivalry or greatest sports rivalry of all time, they got the one, they got the upper hand. Like, I don't know how we'll ever do it. I don't know how we'll ever come back uh, from this. But, man, they came to play. And this game, the game today is a game of guard play. And while Paolo Bonchero, to me, is the best player on every single floor he's on, he's still at the mercy of his guards. And I, and I just think our guards can get him the ball. Um, in the post where he was dominant. Like, of course, he could have got a rebound and, and you know, and read it from the top, but the defense was collapsing in on him. And I just felt like he was getting to his spots on the post. It was our guard's um, ability or responsibility, I should say, to give him the ball, couldn't give him the ball. But guess what? Caleb Love, R.J. Davis, guards who have the ball, they don't have to worry about somebody passing it to them they were the best players on the floor and they didn't have to rely on teammates to get in the ball. They have it every possession. And so they made plays for their teammates. They made plays for themselves. And that was a difference. Um, excellent guard play. 
And that just so happened to be their demise. The next uh, game against Kansas, who I had losing to Villanova. So, you know, I don't know why I went against Coach Self. He's the only coach that's ever won me a bet. Uh, shout out to the 2008 Kansas Jayhawks. Mario Chalmers in that shot, but won me a smooth little $20. <laughs> but, um, you know, I just – I felt like Kansas had the easier bracket and they probably hadn't been tested as much. Uh, Villanova, just knowing what Coach Wright had built um, over the years, his history against the Kansas Jayhawks in the tournament, it was hard to go up against, but I was wrong there. Um, Kansas did their thing. And then while it looked bad for him early in the national championship, that second half, much like their second half against Miami, they just went on a tear. And guard play was the difference. I mean, in this day and age, the team with the best guards, whether that's those guards scoring, making plays for their teammates, that team's going to win. And, and I think in the second half, I think the, the, the North Carolina guards were a little gassed because Coach Davis doesn't really use a lot of substitutions. They, they were gassed. And I just think Kansas, who's a deeper team, especially at the guard position, they just took over. Um, and, it, and it also led to a national championship. So shout out to Coach Self. Um, I know people hating on him, talking about the sanctions and all that kind of stuff he, and, and violations that he had on him. But guess what? You know, he still built his program up um, after those. I think he paid his dues and he built a national um, champion. And so shout out to him for that and shout out to those players. We're sending the best for those that are going to go to the next level. We're sending the best on that journey for those that are returning. Uh, wish them, um, you know, all success in the world, just not against Duke, but uh, wish them luck in their quest to repeat as champions. So had to had to get that out of the way, had to uh, man up, let you know I was wrong. But look, I'm going to be wrong sometimes, but I ain't going to be wrong a lot of times. And what we're about to talk about is, you know, where I think I'm not going to be wrong, and that's the NFL draft. So um, last year around this time, you know, I'm a Saints fan, love the Giants as well. And so I did a mock draft for both teams. I just felt like that was just a bit much, to be quite honest with you. Um, just kind of looking at the Giants this past season and what they're, they're going through this offseason, I think it's pretty straightforward what they're looking for, looking at offensive line, looking at defensive line, looking at some, some secondary help. Might bring a quarterback in the, you know, the mid-rounds just to compete. Uh, kind of a similar situation Philly had um, with Carson Wentz and drafting Jalen Hurts in the second round. So we don't know what they got going on. I mean, in a, I mean, you know, I don't really know exactly what they have going on, but I have an idea. So I just didn't really want to waste uh, my time. They have two first-round picks this year. There's there's rumors that they might trade back, but I just don't want to waste my time kind of um, going through with them. I just feel like there's a little bit more certainty with what the New York Giants are going to be doing in this year's draft than the New Orleans Saints. And so that's who I want to focus on this year. Um, and actually, you know, today's just the first installation of my drafts. I'm just going to be talking about a few of my drafts I've been doing over the the past couple of weeks, um, actually the more recent ones, now that we had to trade with Philadelphia, so now that the Saints have two first overall picks. And I know there's been a lot of discussion about what are we trying to do with those two picks? Um, when, we when we first had pick 18, there was discussion on, is it going to be a quarterback? Is it going to be an offensive tackle? Is it going to be a wide receiver? 
we made the trade and we got two first round picks. For some, the discussions were, oh, they're trying to trade up into the top, you know, 10, top seven, and using these two first round picks to get their quarterback in the future. Um, while others think we're about to go off the tackle wide receiver or double up at wide receiver or go defensive interior and wide receiver or defensive interior offensive tackle. So I have a few mock drafts that kind of hit some of those bases. Um, for the we're drafting a quarterback crowd, I'm not going to be disrespectful. I'm just going to say I, I respectfully disagree. Um, we re-signed Jameis and not saying that, you know, it's a two-year deal, but it's really just a one-year deal. So, so I'm not saying that we're completely sold on him as the starter, but I think one, telling Taysom Hill that he was no longer a part of the quarterback conversation and that he was going to be a primarily used as a tight end and then bringing on Andy Dalton and the conversation with him being that he's quarterback too. So he's not really in a competition at that position either. So our top two quarterbacks aren't really competing. I just find it hard. I find it hard to say we're going to draft a quarterback in the first round. I don't know if we're going to draft a quarterback at all, even though some of my mock drafts will have that. Um, but if we do, I just think it's going to be a mid-round guy to compete with Ian Book because at the end of the day, Ian Book was Sean Payton's guy. Uh, this is Coach Dennis Allen's team now, so maybe he's not as high on Ian Book as Sean Payton might have been. So he might want to bring in a younger quarterback to push Ian Book, but a quarterback where if he loses out to Ian Book, you either don't mind cutting him or you don't mind having two quarterbacks um, on the practice squad. But I just find it hard because if we bring a quarterback round one, I mean, you already told Jameis it's his job, and I just don't think any quarterback in this class is good enough to compete with him. And then what are we doing with Andy Dalton? Are we releasing him because he's coming um, with the mindset that he's quarterback too? So are you saying that we're spending a first-round pick on a quarterback that won't even dress? And if we're actually opening the quarterback quarterback competition, who's to say that Ian Book might not outperform that person? So now you're bringing the quarterback round one. You're basically saying you're done with Ian Book. And we're not creating competition at all because I don't think that young quarterback, not in this class, is going to compete with James for the job. I just think James would beat them. I think he's a veteran. I think the numbers, even in this Tampa Bay year, shows that he has the talent. He's an extremely talented quarterback. We're getting our offensive line healthy. We're getting our um, wide receiver position, you know, sought out. And obviously we're bringing the best wide receiver in the game back and Michael Thomas. So I expect James to have a great year um, just off the strength of the weapons I expect us to put around them. And so if that happens, you put yourself in a situation where you're either looking stupid like the Green Bay Packers, where now you have to pay Aaron Rodgers money because you drafted a guy that isn't ready. And even if he was ready, he isn't better than your option who just won MVP. So that was a waste of a, waste of a pick drafting Jordan Love um, when you had Aaron Rodgers and you pretty much signed to an extension to keep him um, past his 40s on your roster. Um, and I also don't want to be in a position like the um, the 49ers are, where, you know, you have a guy like Jimmy G who's not all world, but he's not all bad, and you're winning games with him, you made it to a conference championship with him, um, and, and could have very well won that game, and now you're talking about keeping him, but you traded so much to get Trey Lance, and so how does that work? And then we're also not talking about what it looks like when 
if Jameis does have, have a successful season that I think he's going to have, he's going to want more money. You have to restructure that contract. And so if you're saying, well, we drafted quarterback first round, we're going with that guy. What are you telling your leaders in your locker room? What are you telling the Marshawn Lattimore's, the Cam uh, Jordan's, the Mario Davis's, the Alvin Kamara's, et cetera, of the world? Um, because they'll look at you like, hey, we just won with this guy. He put up these great numbers. We were doing so well. Why would you move off? Um, and then we don't want to get in a position where we're we're going to assume that you're, self, that you're sabotaging Jameis so you can get this young guy in because we've seen that in the league before. So there's just a lot of controversy that the Saints don't need. We already – we lost Drew. We don't have Sean Payton anymore. We brought a good bit of our coaching staff back, Dennis Allen being hired as the head coach, to have continuity and consistency and not have distractions. You're going to create distractions if you draft a quarterback round one. So just kind of wanted to get my, my feelings about that out the way. And I'm going to be talking about that over the next few weeks. Now I mentioned to you guys before, look, it's, it's, it's prime sports time. I mean, we just got a, the NCAA tournament. Baseball is picking up. The Masters going on right now. The NFL draft is coming up. The NBA season is winding down. We got the play-in, about to have playoffs. WNBA is going to be starting relatively soon. It's going to be a lot. It's going to be a lot of sports heavy. And I'm not going to apologize for it. I mean, it's what I love. It's what I do. Um, but I, but there's going to be new content and, and, and other things we talk about. But for now, man, it's, it's sports season for me. This is my favorite time of the year. I love it. So, like I said, I'm going to go over some mock drafts. And, like, some mock drafts I'm just screwing around with. So, take it with a grain of salt. I'll let you know when I'm at the real ones uh, that I really like. Um, and then we'll go from there. Um, and then I'm gonna do something neat. Um, because I'm recording this on Zoom, I'm going to try to share my screen and we're gonna go over a mock draft together so you can see what I see. And we're just gonna do that together um, and see what we come up with um, with our New Orleans Saints. So for my Saints fans uh, that's gonna be watching, man, just let me know what y'all think. Um, we'll talk about that at the end, but I really wanna know what everybody thinks and look, if you're not a Saints fan, you're watching it and you got your own squad, hey, feel free. You know, let me know what you think your squad is doing. Um, I hope you guys aren't trying to take players that I like. So as long as that's not the thing, you know, I, I won't be mad at you. But, but let's get this show on the road. Let me just kind of talk about a few mock drafts I made. Um, so one of the mock drafts I made, um, and it was on Pro Football Network. So I have some on Pro Football Network, have some on PFF. Um, and I'm actually going to be using uh, Pro Football Focus. That's what PFF means. I'm actually going to be using theirs um, for the simulation I show you guys. Oh, sorry. And so then we'll see what that grade is. See how I did. Even though who gives a damn about PFF grades? Like they, they kind of suck, but, you know, it would be nice. But my, my first mock draft with ProFootballNetwork.com. Uh, go there if you haven't. If you want to just play around, play GM for, for a few hours. Uh, this is a good place to do it. And so at pick 16, and one of the reasons why I think the Saints traded up to, to go to pick 16 is to jump uh, the San Diego Chargers, who might be looking at offensive tackle help at 17. And I think they're going to get the next best tackle that's available, that being Trevor Penning from Northern Iowa, a great pass blocker. I just think he's a guy that we can plug in and play right away if you want to at the left tackle position or we can have James Hurst 
uh, who was a serviceable backup for us over the past uh, couple of years, or and he did really good last year um, in place of Teron Armstead. I um, mean, I was talking to somebody um, on, on Twitter, and he was kind of talking about where his rankings were and that he wasn't that good. But, you know, his PFF grade ranked 12th um, out of all eligible left tackles. And we got to keep in mind, this guy played all over our offensive line. He played left tackle. He played left guard. He played right guard. He played right tackle at times. So, you know, he he was all over the place. But Jameis gave him a vote of confidence as far as him probably getting an opportunity. He is 30 years old. So I do think you know, drafting a Trevor Penning, a guy that can either start right away or can sit behind a veteran for a year or two. Uh, he did the same thing with, with Ryan Ramchick. Um, he, he sat down behind a vet for, for a good bit of the season until some injuries happened and it was time to make that change because he was a first-round pick. But I just don't think we'll have that issues with James Hurst. He was very reliable, knock on wood, as far as health is concerned. And I just think, you know, our starting quarterback – has a rapport with him, um, trust him being his blindside protector. So we can go either way. But like I said, at 16, I think we're going to go with Trevor Penning. I think that's one of the reasons why we traded up, not to get a quarterback, but to get a tackle that we knew was going to be there and have a chance to get our tackle in our next position at wide receiver. And at 19, I got us picking Chris Olave in this particular draft. And, and to be quite candid with you, look, I am a Bama fan. I love Jameson Williams. But one thing I always pride myself on is where were we at the beginning of the year and where are we by the end of the college football season? At the beginning of the year, nobody knew who Jameson Williams was. I mean, I watched him, you know, in the spring game, so I knew a little bit about him and that he was coming. He was a transfer from Ohio State. But I didn't know what to expect from him. Chris Olave was graded as the top wide receiver in his class. He actually could have been a first-rounder last year. Um, one of the first wide receivers taken off of the board last season, but he decided to stay, wanted to compete for a national championship. It didn't work out for them, but at Ohio State, but he came back, had a stellar season. And for me, he started, he came into the year as the number one guy. And I don't think as far as draft eligible wide receivers, I don't think there was anything that anyone else did that made me say, hmm. I don't know about this Chris Olave kid anymore. To me, he's wide receiver one in the draft because he just had the consistency. Uh, you know, we had a, a, a quarterback starting for the first time and really didn't miss a beat as far as his production was concerned. So I, I value that because um, he's knowing the Saints had went through four quarterbacks last year. I value somebody that's consistent in who they are as a talent regardless of who's throwing the ball. So like I said, wide receiver one, Chris Olave, to me, I would love to have him on my team. Excellent route runner, deep threat as well. Um, so at 19, I got the Saints drafting Chris Olave. Now at fifth, so now in the second round, where the Saints have the 49th overall pick, um, in this particular draft, I had gotten a trade offer from the Eagles. Um, they gave me pick 51 and I believe a fourth rounder um, the next year. So I was like, I'll take that. So I ended up dropping down to 51. And who was on the board? The Marvin Leal from Texas A&M. Um, and I think people are going to love him. I mean, I, I got to watch him a lot as they played Alabama. And the guy is, is just a record. I mean, he can stop the run, but he's also a good pass rusher, very athletic uh, in the interior. And I just think, you know, 
And I've had this discussion with people talking about the defensive line, and they think, you know, we do have some studs at the defensive line position. We, we, we've invested a lot of picks, especially first-round picks, in Marcus Davenport and Peyton Turner last year. But we don't have a long-term answer at defensive tackle. We have David Ayanada, who's 29 years old. We did sign him to a new deal. But we don't really have a guy that we can say is our long-term answer at defensive tackle. We've We've moved Cam Jordan inside sometimes. We've moved Davenport inside sometimes. We've just kind of been playing around with that position. But I think the Marvin Lill provides an anchor at that defensive tackle position and just make and just would make everybody around him better, whether that's our rushing ends and edges or our linebackers. You know, DeMario Davis is one of the best um, rushing linebackers in the league statistically. And so having somebody that takes her space and can get to the passer and the inside, that's going to open so many avenues for our linebackers. I mean, it's just going to be getting clear shots to the backfield a lot this season. And we're already a top-notch rush defense. And so you're adding somebody that can also get after the passer. I just love it. Um, if he's if he falls to us, you know, DeMarvin Lill was projected from for a better part of the season to be a top 15 pick and could very well be so. You know, these, these drafts. We, we make these mocks and there's these experts and they think what they think, but sometimes we're always surprised. So who's to say the, the Marvin Lill is not going to be the first round pick. We'll say he's going to fall to the second round, but he did in this case. And I was like, hell, that's the best player available at that point. Um, I could have taken another pass catcher, um, especially at 51, but I was just like, it's too good to pass up. So I took the Marvin Lill. And then at pick 98, I took Jake Ferguson out of uh, Wisconsin tight end, just somebody that can stretch the field a little bit, um, get us a true tight end. You know, I know Taysom is going to the tight end position now. I think he's going to provide some mismatches mismatches for us. Um, James had a great relationship with Jawan Johnson at the tight end position he was in. Uh, we were expecting Adam Troutman to, to play better this season, to stay healthier this season. But I just like Jake Ferguson. He's a guy that you can just plug in and play right away. I think that adds or that loosens up pressure um, for Taysom. I mean, we could have sets where you have Troutman and Ferguson on the line. You got Taysom, you know, out in the slot somewhere because, I mean, you can move him all over. I just like Jake Ferguson. He's a tight end of the future for me. So even if he doesn't play right away, he's somebody that I I feel could be taking over that position in the next uh, year or two. Um, And then we got – I just thought I'd go offensive interior. Got Jamari Sawyer from Georgia, offensive guard. Obviously, we have some issues with Ruiz. We have some issues with Pete, too. Um, you can never have enough depth on the offensive line, especially because we had so many injuries last year. Um, he could be somebody that could compete with Ruiz. Uh, but I just think, based on what I'm just kind of seeing with the Saints, I don't think they're really bringing in competition for Ruiz just yet. But, you know, Sawyer, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. He could be somebody that Ruiz does struggle um, and the team feels like he's being a detriment to our health of our quarterback or our running backs or even our other offensive linemen just because he he hasn't been getting it. Um, I could see Sawyer taking over um, at that position. So so that's my, um, that's one of my, uh, you know, drafts. And then um, after Sawyer, I got Dontario Drummond. Uh, wide receiver out of Ole Miss, and then at pick 168, Brock Purdy was on the board. So, like I said, I'm not really looking for a quarterback round one, but if I see a 
a guy like a Brock Purdy, who's a winner. I've seen him at Iowa State. If he falls uh, this far in the draft, I don't mind bringing in competition for Ian Book. At the end of the day, Ian Book was Sean Payton's guy. This is not Sean Payton's team. Um, Brock Purdy is still somebody that, even if he doesn't beat Ian Book out, you don't have to release him. You can keep him on the practice squad. Uh, you can also choose to release him just because he was such a late pick. We'll see. And then that pick 194, I went to HBC route. I went uh, James Houston the fourth. I just watched a few of his games at Jackson State. The guy to get after the passer. Um, you know, I know we do a lot of multiple sets. Um, I know we, you know, we could use him the way I hope we would have used Zach Bond. You know, Zach Bond's kind of played that weak side linebacker position, but he was a pass rusher in college. Um, I'm actually hoping we start to use him a little bit more in that role as a pass rusher. We, we, we did at some point last season. And I think James Houston, the four, he's somebody that can do the same thing. Obviously, he does well. Uh, he's more efficient in the 3-4 scheme, but just kind of with our multiple looks, um, I think we can bring him in on pass rushing situations. Uh, I think if you can get a quarterback, you can get to the quarterback, and sometimes you have that skill. So that just kind of rounds up my – just kind of one of my, my first – my first mock drafts um, since that trade with the Eagles. And so, um, man, it's crazy. You know, I'm about to go to this next one. And and, and I'm going to take this with a grain of salt because I, I don't believe this will happen. But I just kind of wanted to, because it just happened in this particular mock draft, I wanted to bring it to you guys if this is ever a possibility. So, like, here we go. At 16, you wouldn't believe who fell to us. Evan Neal out of Alabama, who I think is the best tackle, who I believe is actually going to be the number one overall pick. You know, people are talking about Aiden Hutchinson and Trayvon Walker. Um, and even Kayvon Thibodeau is still in there. But I just think they want to protect their quarterback. I just truly think that. Um, and I think they're going to go with the best offensive tackle on the board, that being Evan Neal. But I was surprised. Like I was like, seriously? Like, what's wrong with y'all simulator? Because, like, this isn't accurate. But he fell to us at 16. I didn't have to trade up to get him. You know, in some trades, some some mock drafts, I traded up to go get him. I didn't have to this time. He fell to us at 16. I was like, hell no, I'm not passing him up. He's, he's the best in his draft. So I got um, Evan Neal at 16. Got Chris Olave again at 19. And believe it or not, I actually traded up from 49 to pick 34. And at pick 34, guess who fell to me? Traylon Burks. So... I got probably the best tackle in the draft, the best wide receiver in the draft, and another top three, top five wide receiver prospect early in the second round in Traylon Burks, who's going to provide the size and physicality we need out of the wide receiver position. But he got some wheels, too. Like he can get past you. So he can run every route in the route tree. Just love it. And, I mean, this guy was playing with a what some would deem – a run first quarterback that isn't that good of a passer. And this guy was putting up numbers. I mean, I watched him play against Alabama and I get it. Josh Joe was dealing with injuries, but injuries are not, man. He was giving our best corner the business. And I was just like, Oh my God, can we double? Can we triple? Can we do something? Cause this guy was just unbelievable. And if he somehow falls to the saints, I mean, I've already already had some instances where he's fallen to us at um, 18 and we only had that one pick, but you know, in this scenario where I was able to trade up and saw him on the board at 34, hell yeah, I'm pulling the trigger. Um, so in this draft, I got Traylon Burks. So I got two of the top five, top six 
wide receiver prospects, arguably the best offensive tackle prospect. Um, and then I double dipped that offensive tackle. I went and got Darian Kennard uh, from Kentucky just because I feel like depth is important. I mean, Evan Neal, if we were to get him or whoever gets him, understand that he's played all over the line at the University of Alabama. So if you need him to be at the guard positions or you need him to be at right tackle, which um, projecting wise, projection wise, he's projecting in a lot of drafts to go to the Giants where they put him on the right tackle side because they have um, a left tackle of the future right now. So, um, but to have him like, oh my God, you can move him all over the line. Then you have Darian Kennard, um, who you can have at your, you know, tackle of the future position, whether that be the, the left tackle or the right tackle position, however you decide to do it. Um, and then that 161, because I did have to, to, to trade a few picks to get to 34. I ended up getting Jalen Watermeyer from Texas A&M. For some reason, he's falling. Like some people are saying he might not even get drafted. And, and Watermeyer, to me, is similar to Chris Olave in the, in the fashion that he was always a top tight end prospect. I knew he was a top tight end prospect as a freshman. His size, his speed, what he can do. And he can actually block. It's not as if it's not that he's a, a detriment um, blocking. Like he can actually block pretty well because Texas A&M was a pretty good running team. And you can't be a pretty good running team if your if your tight end can't block. And also, if he can't block, but you have him in the game, that's a telltale sign that you're going to be passing the ball. And Texas A&M was never in that position because he could be a true tight end where he'll block for the he'll block, but he'll also catch passes. And create mismatches. He created a lot of mismatches against, again, my Alabama Crimson Tide. They upset us. He scored a key touchdown late in that game just because he's a walking mismatch. And so everybody's having them fall into these late rounds. I don't believe it. I think it's smoke and mirrors. I think this guy's going to be one of the first tight ends taken off the board, whether that be round two, three, or four. I don't feel in reality he'd be at this pick that just happened to be in this particular amount of drafts. So shout out to that. Um, much like Jake Ferguson in the previous one, I think this guy is just, I think Jalen's a needle mover. Um, Jake Ferguson, I kind of mentioned that, you know, he could, he could come in and play right away or he can sit behind. I don't think Jalen sits behind anybody. I think he's taking Taysen snaps. I think he's taking Troutman snaps. I think he's taking Jawan Johnson snaps. I just do. If he, if he ends up getting on our team, like Jameis would love him. We know how Jameis loves the tight end position. He would love this guy. So we'll see. And then, so that was like my pro football um, network, my drafts. So let me, let me go to this crap show of my, my PFF ones, you know? So like I said, this past one I talked about, I had Evan Neal drop to me at 16. Well, I made some crazy trades that happened to go through. I did get like horrible grades on the trades, but I was just kind of screwing around to see what I can do. So my mindset was, you know what? The Saints had 16 and 19. And there were a lot of people, like I said, that were saying that we're wanting to use this, these picks to get into the top seven um, to draft the quarterback. I think you want to get either our best defensive interior or our best offensive line prospect at 16 to, so that the Chargers don't get that person. So in this particular scenario, I traded pick 19, pick 49, pick 120, 
a round three, a third rounder, a fourth rounder in next year's draft, and a fourth and a fifth rounder in a 2024 draft for pick seven, uh, pick uh, 147 in round five, and pick 173 in round five. So in, in theory, it is an awful trade. I don't think in reality the Giants would ask for that much, and I don't think the Saints would give that much. I think they would just be like, oh, that's too much. I'll see where I am. Because there's really no reason for them to move. They can get a pretty good offensive lineman prospect, a pretty good wide receivers prospect, staying right where they are. And if they were looking for a quarterback, they could even get a good quarterback prospect at 16. But I made the trade. The Giants accepted it. You know, I just you know had to do a lot. Um, so round one, pick seven. I went Evan Neal. Like I said, he was falling. I just feel like he's one of the, the best offensive line prospect in the draft. I think he's one of the best players overall. I truly believe he's going to be the number one overall player taken. I don't care what anybody says, but anyways, I picked him at seven. Then at 16, I'm saying the name again, Chris Olave. That's how much you guys, I want you guys to understand how much I love the guy and how much I respect the guy as far as his rankings in this draft. So I ended up getting Chris Olave at pick 16. And then in round three, I got David Bell. So if you guys ain't watched David Bell in college at Purdue, you need to go watch the tape. Because, I mean, he performed against the best of the best. I mean, the game he had against Ohio State, the games he had against Indiana, like, oh, my God. Like, beautiful, beautiful. Um, so Olave and David Bell, they, they automatically, automatically become wide receiver two and wide receiver three on our team. I love Hardy. I love Traquan Smith. I love Callaway. I love, um, shoot, what's my, what's my boy name? Uh, LaJordan Humphreys. I love him. I love you. But these two studs, oh, they playing on Sundays. I'm sorry. They playing on Sundays. They might not always start. Like, you know, a David Bell might be more so of a package guy. And depending on what play for running, you put him in there and rotate. But I'm telling you, these, these are arguably wide receiver, wide receiver three, wide receiver two, and wide receiver three. First day of camp. That's just how I feel about it. Uh, then, you know, I didn't have a pick for a little minute. Round five, pick 147 that I got from the Giants. I ended up getting Isaiah Spiller from Texas A&M, a guy that can run between the tackles, guy that also has some wiggle to him. Great wide receiver, great receiver out of the backfield. Um, everything we look for in the Saints offense. And then when you're kind of taking into account that we might be without Alvin Kamara for about four games, this guy next to Mark Ingram, we're work wonders. We can just keep doing things. Not saying that he is Alvin Kamara, because Alvin Kamara to me is top three back in the league with what he's able to do. But he can do, he can be a poor man's Alvin until that suspension of, that we believe is going to happen comes. Um, so we'll see. Round five, I kind of reached on the pick, but I just felt like I don't know what we're doing with the honey badger. Um, I feel like we can get a safety. Or, or, or somebody in the secondary for the future. And I just got Marquise Bell. And that's a name. Um, shout out to my boy, Logan. He's the, uh, he's the one that really mentioned this young man to me. Safety out of Florida A&M, fam you. And, and so I didn't really know about him. Um, I watched him a little bit uh, because my alma mater, Southeastern, played them in the, in the playoff game. And we kind of kicked their ass in the passing game. So I was just, I was kind of iffy on them, but, you know, I went and did my homework. You know, Logan was adamant, like, hey, man, look, you need to go see this guy. And I was like, all right. So I did my homework. 
excellent tackler. So all the Marcus Williams haters in the world, you'd love this guy because he can tackle or whatever it is. Um, and he can also make plays on the ball. And so that's something that lad, that is something that resonates with me. I want a player that makes plays on the ball. Um, I know people are going to go crazy when I say this name, but Darren Sharper, I know. But, like, we really haven't had a playmaker at that position since him. I mean, even Marcus Williams, he was really good at getting interceptions. He averaged about five a year. But, you know, Darren Sharper was somebody that not only could get you a lot of interceptions, but he could take that to the house. And so I think we missed that. Um, and, and the transition that we're having, I really want a guy that's going to be able to take the ball away, get our offense a short field, and in, mo- in some instances, be able to actually take those turnovers, um, turn them into six. So we'll see. He fell to he fell to me at five. I didn't really get a good grade. They felt like PFF felt like I reached, but I don't care. He's one of the best safeties in the draft. He fell around five, which, in all honesty, I don't think he's going to fall that far in the draft. I just needed to take him. Um, and then my second pick in round five, I got Derek Geese Jr. I'm out of San Jose State, tight end. He's just kind of one of the best players available. Um, I am going to do a little more research on him um, in the case that we do have to draft him. But, you know, that was just the best player available. And then round six, my last pick of the draft, I got Jalen Naylor, deep threat. Um, he could be a gunner on special teams if we needed it. Um, out of Michigan State, he's just – I saw him a few games. Every time he he touched the ball, he made big plays. So he's somebody that, look, we're at a team. We have a big arm quarterback. I think we're going to try to get a lot of playmakers on the field. Everybody's going to have a chance to eat. Everybody's going to have a chance to eat. You just got to want it. Um, and so let me just kind of go through my grades. Just, uh, pro Football Focus does uh, give you grades. So for my trade to the Giants, I got a D minus. Mm, I know. Sorry, Mom. Um, drafting Evan Neal, I got an A. Chris Olave and David Bell and Isaiah Spiller. I got A minuses for each of those guys. I got a C plus uh, for Marcus Bell. I got a C for Derek Deese and I got a B minus for Jalen Neely. So my overall draft grade ended up becoming a B. Uh, I'm not a fan of B's and I'm, I'm trying to strive for A's, but it is what it is. So that's why I ended up with. So that was my first one. And then I got four of these. So this draft, so I kind of told you, you know, there's some people talking about, you know, us trading up, trying to get quarterback or going off the tackle wide receiver, quarterback wide receiver, defensive lineman, wide receiver, whatever it may be. Um, in this particular one, I doubled up at wide receiver. I just think we need the help. Um, and so round one, pick 16, I went Chris Olave. Again, that's my guy. But guess who was there at pick 19? Jamison Williams. So now we got two guys that are not that are deep threats. Chris Olave to me is the more crisp, crisp route runner. He can pretty much run every route in the route tree. But guess what? One thing I saw in that Auburn game when John Mechie went down was that hey, Jamison Williams ain't no slouch either in the route tree. He can give you every route. But we we pretty much put him into uh, Mechie's position and he was able to, to run every every single route. And and those those intermediate routes across the middle, he took that. He did the same thing against uh, Cincinnati, you know. So we got two elite wide receivers back-to-back. Look, y'all saw who he was last year. You saw it. If you were a Saints fan, you saw it. So doubling up on wide receiver, I don't think any Saints fan will be upset with that. Um, But obviously, when you double up a wide receiver in the first round, you know we have offensive line issues. How do we address that? 
So in this draft, I actually drafted Abraham Lucas out of Washington State, uh, offensive tackle. Again, I just feel like from what I'm hearing about what, Dennis, what Coach Allen said, when he said James Hurst could have that opportunity, James Winston talked about James Hurst having that opportunity now that Teron Armstead is going. I just think at least at the start of camp, James Hurst would be left tackle one. And so you can have a guy like Abraham Lucas learn behind an eight-year vet. I just, I just feel it's happening. Round 398. Guess who was available? Carson Strong out of Nevada. Am I the biggest fan of Carson Strong? No, but he's a big-armed guy. Um, I believe he could push someone like Ian Book. And I think partially, honestly, and not the, not the pick on Ian Book, but I saw him a lot in college. I don't think I was the happiest when we drafted him just because I had watched him a lot at Notre Dame. I wasn't thrilled. I wasn't in awe of what he did. Hell of a, hell of a freaking leader. But I just felt like talent-wise, we probably could have, you know, went elsewhere. But, you know, he he battled his behind off in the Miami game, and so he earned my respect. But I think bringing a guy in like Carson Strong, um, he could theoretically compete with Ian Book for that QB3 spot. But you can keep both of them on the roster so that when Andy Dalton doesn't stay for two years, I think Andy Dalton's going to be here for that one year. We're going to release him after that. You could have an Ian Book and a Carson Strong, assuming that Jameis Winston has put himself in position to be the guy. You could have those two guys kind of battle it out for QB2, and then Carson Strong still being, or whoever the loser of that, uh, still being under the contract. That could be a draft asset for a mid-round pick. There's so many things we can do with that. So I went with Carson Strong, and PFF actually loved it. So I'll take what my red was on that one. Um, at tight end, round four, pick 120. I went Grant Calcaterra from SMU. Obviously, SMU has a high octane offense, um, so they're going to make everybody look good. But I actually like Grant Calcaterra. Um, PFF didn't like it, but he was one of the best tight ends available. I really think the Saints need help um, at the tight end position, so I just went with him. Um, then I rounded out rounds five and six. Uh, with Noah Ellis out of Idaho, he's a, a defensive tackle. And then Todd Chandler was my last pick, running back out of North Carolina, again trying to add to that running back room. Um, I think that was something that hurt us last year, too, that nobody talks about. Luckily, we had Mark Ingram, but with early in the season, it really was Alvin Kamara or Buss um, because Tony Jones Jr. got hurt. So then that I think a lot of the pressure uh, and the workload we put on Alvin led to his injury issues. And I think it was just too much of a one-two punch. I think we need a third guy. So Ty Chandler um, can bring that. So this draft, better grades, which made me a little bit happy. But again, who really cares about PFF grades? But in the grand scheme of things, I mean, you know, type of person I am, I care a little bit. So another A- for Chris Olave. I got an A-plus for Jameson Williams. So PFF actually has him as ranked as probably the best wide receiver in his class. Um, so I got an A-plus for him. I got a B for Abraham Lucas. I got an A-plus for Carson Strong because he was the 68-ranked uh, prospect on their grades, and I got him at 98, so pretty good. I got a C-minus uh, for Grant Calcaterra. got an A-minus for Noah Ellis and an A-minus for Todd Chandler. So I ended up having an overall draft grade of A-minus. feel a little bit better about that. So much better than a B. So much better than a B. Um, I'm just about to run through these last two.
So you saw me get an offensive tackle and a wide receiver. You saw me double up at wide receiver. This time around, this time around, one of the best players in the draft, one of the best players in college football. I'm kind of upset with him because he beat my Crimson Tide, but I cannot deny the talent. He is, a, to me, a generational talent, an Aaron Donald-type talent at this position. At six, pick 16, round one, Jordan Davis out of University of Georgia fell to me. And some people say, oh, well, man, we need off to tackle. Man, why, we might need a quarterback. We need a double wide receiver. Why would you get that? Well, the Saints don't really have a long-term answer at the defensive tackle position. And you've seen, at least with the defensive end, we've invested a lot. I mean, there were times like we have Cam Jordan. So a lot of people are like, well, how would you draft a defensive end? You have Cam Jordan. Well, we're, we're drafting for the future where guys can make a, an immediate impact. But at the same time, we understand that they're going to be in that position for the long haul. At least we hope so. I mean, I think Jordan Davis – he immediately becomes an anchor on our defense. But we're at a position right now where we don't need him to be a three-down guy right now. We're going to get him in the shape he needs to be. But we can have him be the, the middle and the plug in our defense. That's going to demand a double team. He is going to demand a double team. Someone who is that big, but as quick and strong as he is. You saw the combine numbers. You see the film. He's going to demand double teams. And we have enough off defense alignment to where he won't really get tired out as much. I don't think so. I think, but I think we're going to get him in the shape um, that he needs to be in to one, be prepared for up tempo offenses. But a good bit of the quarterbacks in this league, they're not statues nowadays. They can move, but he can move too for a big guy. And so he was at sixteen. At sixteen, your first pick, and also knowing that you want a wide receiver in the first round and how deep the wide receiver class is, you got to take him. And I also want to take, take him because I know how deep the offensive tackle class is. And you've heard me kind of discuss that it seems like James Hurst is going to be the guy, right? So if James Hurst is going to be the guy that we really need to spend a first-round pick with such a deep class, we can get somebody a little bit later. We can get somebody a little bit later, have them develop, and then go from there. So – Look, that was just my explanation. Don't shoot the messenger. But I just went with Jordan Davis. He was the best player available to me at 16. I go with Jordan Davis. At 19, you guessed it, Chris Olave, baby. Look, I don't know why people keep passing on him. I don't think that's a real thing. I don't. I don't think that's a real thing. I don't know what is happening with these simulations. I just don't think it's a real thing. I think GMs, as soon as they see Olave, he might go in the top 10. I really do. Like he might literally go in the top 10. He might go as high as four. Right? Talking about like guys like Drake London and so look, he might very well go number four to the Jets. But for some reason he keeps following me. And guess what? Every time I see the name Chris Olave, I ain't hesitating. I'm drafting him. He's wide receiver one, the best wide receiver in this draft. Got Chris Olave. At the tackle position at pick 49, I get Darian Kennard at Kentucky. Again, a guy that either I can plug in right away or I can have him sit behind a veteran and learn for a year or two. I get the best of both worlds. Round three, I get one of the best backs in the draft. Bruiser, again, I watched him play my Alabama Crimson Todd. He was killing us for a little bit. Damian Pierce, bruiser at the running back position. Also has a little wiggle to him. But guess what he can do, fellas and ladies? He can pass block. Do you know how important that is? A lot of people get drafted on being able to pass block alone. Sometimes that's a skill 
that has to be taught and trained once you get to the NFL. This guy is coming with it. I've seen it in college. You know, he can block. And so for a team that we might see ourselves passing the ball a good bit, I think we're going to be relying on the run a lot this year again, but I think we're going to open up the offense more. And so you're going to need a back that can not only pass protect, but, you know, can catch the ball and do something with it. You know, he's not going to be like, oh, my God, you know, they pass me the ball. Like, he's going to know what to do with it. Love it. He fell to me at third, third-round pick, which is kind of his wheelhouse right now. I saw him. He was the best available running back at that point in time. Winning guy. Round four, again, I just really think we're trying to address the tight end position. I went and got Jelani Woods. PFF didn't get to reach, but I just didn't feel that he'd be there at five and six. I was trying not to do any trades um, in this draft, so I just told myself, look, that's the guy that's on my board. I'm going to take him. That's what people don't understand. Sometimes you might have a certain ranking for the player, but that doesn't mean the organization has that same ranking. And so on my board, he was one of the tight ends I wanted on my team. And I saw him. I didn't think he'd last to my next pick, which was 41 picks away. I went and got Jelani Woods. Guy that you can split out wide. Another a guy that you can also play your sets. If you want to run the ball, you can actually run the ball in the game. I'm going there. At round five, I got one of the fastest wide receivers in the draft. Got burned. Kevin Austin Jr. Kevin Austin Jr., I got him in the fifth round. You saw the combine. I was the only one. Yeah, burner. I want that. I know he had some injury issues, but guess what, dude? We don't need you to be our guy right away. I think he's a, he's a pick that he might not pay volumes right away, but I think he's going to turn heads in camp. I think he's going to turn heads in preseason, and I think Pete Carmichael is going to find ways to get this young man on the field, should we have him? And then in round six, I'm just had you know, this is kind of like what do I want at this point in time? And one of the best players available was JT Woods out of Baylor safety. I don't know what's going on with the, with the Tyron Matthew situation. I don't know if we're going to sign him before the draft. I would love, to, I would love if we signed him before the draft, so we know that safety is kind of taken care of. But if we don't, I can see us you know drafting a safety, even though we. Signed Marcus May. Uh, we re-signed P.J. Williams. We still have Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. We signed Daniel Sorensen, who's really going to be a special teams guy. Um, and I think last name Evans. And then we just brought in another safety um, who used to play for, for Tampa Bay, who was drafted by Tampa Bay. So, you know, we got some options. We'll see. And so here's my last pick. This is my last kind of my draft before I take you guys on this little this little simulation with me where we're going to, going to see what what the what's available so you guys don't think I'm crazy. So in this draft, I went Jameson first because I was like, you know what? I probably been showing a little bit too much love to Chris Olave. Let me show love to my Bama boy. Um just one of the most electric wide receivers in this draft. Obviously he's a deep threat, but look, you can get this guy the ball on a bubble and he can take it to the house. And I think Jameis is going to need someone that can make it easy. It just, it's a blessing. As good as Patrick Mahomes is, he will tell you that it was a blessing to have someone like Tyreek Hill. But you can just, just get the ball in his hands and just watch the magic happen. That's what a Jameson Williams is. And then you have Michael Thomas that's going to be working underneath and having 
all the double teams. It's just going to be beautiful. So I went with Jameson Williams first. Um, and then I went Trevor Penning at pick 19. He was still there. Uh, one of the best tackle prospects in the draft. Again, a guy you can plug in right away, or you can sit behind James Hurst. Do what you want to do. That's going to be for the Saints to decide what they want to do. Um, at round two, pick 49, you wouldn't believe who fell to me. Jaquan Brisker, who I think might be a late first-round pick, to be honest with you, out of Penn State, he was there. I took him without hesitation. I didn't even go down the line to see who else was there. I saw his name. I'm taking him. Round three, pick 98, <laughs> Damian Pierce again. I mean, good running back as far as a runner, a receiver, and a pass blocker. He was there again. I'd be wanting to get my dude B. Rob, but he just wasn't there. So, got Damian Pierce. Round four, pick 120. I got, they got him at Western Kentucky because you know, he had his one year there and he broke all the records, but I know him from Houston Baptist. So, shout out to them. I'm going with Bailey Zach. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Um, quarterback. I mean, look, I watched the guy in the Southern Conference because that's the conference my alma mater is in, and the guy was electric then. Then he went to Western Kentucky and was even more electric, broke all their records. He can spin the beam. That's this is as simple as that. So if we're looking, again, if we're looking for a, comp a competition for Ian Book, because Ian Book isn't going to be competing with Andy Dalton for quarterback two. He's not competing with James Winston for QB one. But I don't say I don't think Dennis Allen is going to tell himself, well, all three of my quarterbacks won't have any type of competition. You have to have some level of competition. And I think you you bring in a Bailey Zap. If he works out well, great. You can you can have both of them on the practice squad if you want to, but. Somebody at the quarterback position has to have competition. And I don't think it needs to be James. It could easily have been Andrew Dalton, but I, I get the having gone through four quarterbacks. You just want a guy you can trust and a guy, a veteran. A veteran is going to be able to help James more than a rookie or a second-year guy. I think I can admit that. There's things that, Jay, that, that Andy Dalton has seen in this league, both as a starter and as a backup quarterback, that, that will really help not only James developed, but whoever the other quarterbacks in that room are developed. So, you know, I think we got to get a quarterback. I wouldn't mind getting a quarterback, whether it's in the draft, whether it's in the draft or um, undrafted free agency or something like that. Um, so I just want baby Zach because I just think the guy is a hell of a quarterback, kind of undersized, but look, he make it do what he do. Uh, round five, pick 161, guess who I got again? Kevin Austin Jr. from Notre Dame. He was there. Like I said, the guy's a speedster. You saw the combine. I see him. I'm taking him. Um, and then round six, I just got the best player available. I got uh, Josh Rivas. Hope I pronounced that right. Um, guard out of Kansas State. Just bringing in a guy on the interior of the offensive line for depth purposes. I don't really think that somebody's going to push Ruiz. I don't know if Ruiz is going to be um, – in any type of competitions this summer or throughout the season. I think if there's injuries or if there's just poor play as there has been over the past couple of years, then you'll see a change. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the Saints are looking at guard prospects for next year. Um, there's a good bit coming out in the draft next year, but we'll see. Um, but I just kind of thought round six was a good opportunity um, to address uh, the guard position. So 
those are just kind of my, my my sample, my sample mock drafts. So, man, we'll see. We'll see. So I am now going to share my screen. And we're going to see how we do this. So, hope oh, y'all can see this. We are about to get started. I'm not about to do any trades or none of that. We're just about to go through this thing. So, I got all my picks 16, 19, 49, 98, 120, 161, and 194. So, let's go. Hmm. So, this is what we have left. So, we got Bernard Raymond, who's a great. Um, off of the tackle prospect, Devin Lloyd, Devontae Wyatt, who's somebody I can get if I want defensive interior. Um, don't think I look at Nicole Dean. I got Jordan Davis. Still got Trevor Penning. Got Malik Wills. Got Jermaine Johnson. So, you know, I'm running. I'm, I'm running out of certain prospects. But you know what? You know what? I said it before. If somebody falls to you, falls to you this late, I don't think you lose generational talent. I'm going to go Jordan Davis. Now, I'm going to go wide receiver. Like, Traylon Burks is there. I just think we need a wide receiver. All the good wide receiver prospects are gone, as you can see. So, I am going to go wide receiver and get Traylon Burks, who's one of the best in this draft. Is what it is. So, I got a defensive anchor. And I got a wide receiver to pair with Michael Thomas. So these are some of the guys that are best available. Yes, I can get a Matt Corral second round, but I think getting a Matt Corral second round, this is one of the crazy controversy that some of the Saints do not need. I'm going to look at the best offensive tackle prospects. And lo and behold, got Abraham Lucas. We got Darren Kennard. We got Jamari Sawyer, who's listed here as a tackle, but he's played all over the line. Um... Let me look. I, I let me look at, at my at my my pass catchers in this draft. And you know what? As I look through this draft, I got to, I got to, I got to. You see, no, no. I gotta go with the best tackle. I gotta go. I gotta go with the best tackle available. That's Abraham Lucas. I'm going with the best tackle available. I almost went wide receiver. I almost went wide receiver. But but I'm not gonna do that right now. Not gonna do that right now. So we're gonna see. Carson Strong, Damian Pierce, they fall to me. Um, but I don't think I'm gonna go there. I wanna see what tight ends are available. Okay, not willing, not willing to do that right now. Not willing to do that right now. Um, let me see what wide receivers are on the table. So we got Ronald Dobbs, David Bell, Josh Johnson, Kyle Phillips, Kevin Austin. So of these guys, and just kind of going down the list, I really like David Bell. They have him ranked 110, but I know he's not going to be there by the time I pick at 120. And for me, on my board, I got David Bell. So I, I sure up the wide receiver position. I get two guys 
that can make immediate impact for me. And they keep saying we need a quarterback. I, I just disagree. I disagree. But um, let's see what tight ends are available. I mean, come on. Come on. Come on. I got to get them, right? I got to get them, right? Just, just have them right there. And so now I pretty much got my pass catches out the way. I got a generational defensive talent. And I got a, a good offensive line prospect that can come in. At Washington State, you know the type of offense they run. I know he can pass block and pass protect. He can come in, learn behind James Hurst for a little bit, and then be Gucci. At pick 161, I really want to run it back. I really want to run it back. And of these guys, I'm going to go to Kanji Wright, SEC guy. I watched him a little bit at South Carolina. I actually got to, to watch them this year. So I'm going to go with him. Now, Pick 194, that's round six. I might go best player available, who's a defensive interior. But I want to see what quarterbacks I got, because I really think I, I want to bring in somebody. So I got EJ Perry, Skylar Thompson, Zach Cohn, Caleb Ellaby, Dustin Crumb, Brock Purdy, Cole Kelly. So you know what? I'll draft Cole Kelly. I'm going to go hometown guy, you know, my alma mater. I'll draft him six round. Because one, here's the thing. Taysom is in his about to, you know in his early 30s. He can't play that gadget role or that short yardage role that he's been playing for us for a little minute. So I'm thinking Cole, if he doesn't beat out Ian, he can still be somebody that can help us in short yardage situations when we really need when we really need yards. So I don't really get a high draft grade in this, you know. He gave me a beef with Jordan Davis because they had him ranked 20. I picked him at 16. But to me, he's just a generational guy. Uh, Traylon Burks, they had him ranked 31. I picked him at 19. But these guys don't know what they're talking about. They haven't seen Traylon Burks play, obviously. He's one of the best guys in this draft. Physical, but has speed as well. he give you the best of both worlds. He's not a telltale sign of what we're going to be trying to do offensively. He can run every route that Michael Thomas can route. He can run the routes that Deontay Harder can route, can run the routes that Marcus Calloway can run. I mean, this is the best available wide receiver because apparently in his mock, a lot of wide receivers went early. Traylon Burks was there. I'm taking him. Abraham Lucas, I just had to address the tackle position. I was looking at, you know, safeties and running backs and tight ends and wide receivers. Kind of wanted to double dip early, but I just didn't know what, what things were going to look like at the tackle position. So I just got a guy that I think is really good. David Bell, again, they say they might say I reach for him 12 spots too soon, but at looking at those prospects, to me, he's a guy that I've watched on film. I'm really high on. I can't pass him up. Same being with Jalen Watermeyer. Round four, pick 120. I really want another pass catcher. I really want somebody to tight end position. I want somebody that's a true tight end that can pass block um, if I need it, can run block if I need it, and, and can be a walking mismatch. Saints fans don't have a heart attack. He's Jared Cookage. So, yes, Jared Cook had some drops and some fumbles, but you cannot deny his ability to get open and create mismatches. But one thing I think that he's going to be better than that we were surprisingly confused about with Jared Cook was that Jalen's going to be much better in the red zone, I think. And you can tell from Jameis Winston, the way he plays and his connection with um, Jawan Johnson, that he's going to look for the tight end in the red zone. Uh, for some reason, that just didn't work with Jared Cook. 
And that could have been with some of the packages we were using with Taysom and everything like that. But um, I got a really solid running back prospect um, in Zaquandre Wright. And then, look, I just went home. They gave me a D4 with Cole Kelly. But, look, he was there. To be quite honest with you, I truly think Cole is going to get drafted in that round four, round five range. But if he's there around six, I don't mind taking that gamble. That's just me. I'm going to take that, especially for my guy. But I'm not the one making these decisions. So we'll see. So there you have it. That's uh, this episode where, you know, look, I had some mock drafts where I was kind of going through motions. I had some where I actually put some thought into it, you know, like, this is what I do. So there's somewhere I actually put some thought into it. But, um, you know, this was actually kind of cool. And I'm actually looking forward to watching it, watching this before I upload it, just kind of um, seeing how it looks with me being able to share. Because I do want to do this again. This is, like I said, the first installation of some of my drafts. I'm just kind of going to go. We're going to do one just off the cuff, just letting me know who I want, not necessarily relying on um, these simulators because I know they're – very generic they made their whole objective is to shake things up so um next time we talk about this i'm actually going to just say who i who are my favorite prospects who i would like in each spot and i'm actually going to be bringing some guests on to do the same mostly talking about the saints um most of those guys are saints fans but um you know we might have a few guys that that like other teams and I just kind of let us know. We'll talk a little bit about just our favorite players, even if they don't um, come to our team. Who do we like? Um, and we're going to be talking about, you know, at the end of the day, who we think our favorite team is going to get. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation. I'm looking for, well, I'm excited for what this was. You know, I, I didn't know how it was going to turn out. I still don't know how it's going to turn out. I know some people are going to judge me. And that's okay. You know, how I said, you just be nice to me, be respectful, you know. You know, it's it's not easy, to be honest. You know, I do respect general managers and scouts for what they do and the work they put in as they're trying to find information on these players and what works for uh, their organization. So it's not the easiest thing in the world. Um, I know we have the luxury in this day and age to have these mock drafts. I'm going to play GM for a second, but it might seem easy to us going through these, you know, two-minute mock drafts, but it takes months. And for some years, if, you're, if they're in a rebuild, it takes them a while to really study these players all around the world, not just who we see on college football Saturdays. Like There's folks that are playing sports all around the world, and scouts are going to see them in Canada and Germany um, and other places around the world. Like That's happening. There's some guys in, in other sports, like in rugby and football, that – Somebody's looking at them like, hey, you want to play American football? And they're like, yeah, okay, I'll do it. And that's beautiful. You know, you can you go all around the world, you 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 study some people that don't even know that they can play the game. And and because you're so confident in your evaluation period, you're like, hey, if you're really wanting to play this game and we bring you onto our squad, this is these are the type of things we can put you in position for to, to maximize. Um, your ability. So that's that's outstanding. So like I said, I enjoy um, playing GM. And I know a good bit of you guys out there enjoy uh, playing GM. 
And so as I'm going through there, look, I try to be, you know, nice. Um, you know, I, I don't think I've been the nicest person on social media recently when it's come when it's come to these discussions. You know, when it comes to your favorite team, you get a little bit too passionate. But I think I'd like to think I've I've gotten better and and going through this conversation and, and just kind of my thoughts about it. I think I've I've gotten better. But as I always say, if I offended you, that's a good thing. It's an opportunity for me to learn. It's an opportunity for you to teach me. All I ask is that you keep it respectful. Peace.